Okay, here we are once again, Missionary Aid International, Missionary Enter, uh, Missionary Enterprises, Missionary Aid International. Ooh, we will get it one of these days after all these years. So in association with, once again, Bujiri, not Bugiri, Bujiri Pentecostal Church, but more specifically with uh, Bukuli, Bukuli College, Bukuli College uh, Secondary School in Bujiri, Uganda, Africa. And uh, I have to admit that when I put the note, I did the teaching, it was great, and the students loved it. And uh, when I actually added the extra notes, because uh, I always, you know, add things to my already written notes, uh, boy, this teaching was really ministering to me. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for the Lord to, uh, for using this teaching for them, but for me too, to encourage myself. Uh, so this teaching is called Creation commanding ruling and reigning all right not reigning like rain like thunderstorms but reigning like having the dominion and this is what it's all about all right so let's get into with the teaching it's a little bit long so this type of teaching has received all kinds of criticisms oh my goodness has it ever and caused all kinds of controversies over the years oh my goodness has it ever because it has not been taught right, meaning it has been taught wrong. If you're going to teach the Word of God, or you're going to teach God's book, you better make sure you're teaching it right and not wrong, all right? Or else don't even bother teaching it. In other words, keep your mouth shut, all right? We got a lot of preachers out there, they should keep their mouth shut, all right? <clears throat> uh, teaching and preaching out of it, meaning keep your mouth shut. Because this is not just any old book, all right? The Bible is not just any old book. It's God's book, all right? And it's got to be taught right. And you know, I'm going to tell you something right now. I heard this teaching after I got born again. I heard this teaching uh, from Word of Faith guys. And uh, it just didn't resonate with me. It meant nothing to me. And um, I basically threw out the baby with the bathwater. I've written on this years ago. It's going to come out in my testimony uh, when I start teaching on what the Lord has taught me about faith. I basically threw it. I basically rejected the whole thing until mm, uh, God himself got a hold of me. Yeah, he got a hold of me, all right. And he shook me up a little bit in a nice way. But I'll tell you, he shook me up in 2007. And I haven't been the same ever since. All right, so this is God's book. All right, this is God's book. I don't have a Bible with me, of course. <laughs> I've got about 100 Bibles over there. Uh, and it has to be taught in a certain way called rightly divided, all right, or rightly interpreted. And those who attempt to teach it will be held to a higher standard, all right, accountability, higher accountability on that great day. Uh, this is one of the many reasons why the Holy Spirit was given to us so that we can understand this book, the Holy Bible, as he understands it, all right? Uh, therefore, as he wants to teach it, uh, or he wants it taught, because he is the one who inspired it to begin with, 2 Timothy 2.15, as well as 3.16. Also teaching it according to the whole counsel of God, which I'm really, I'm really getting good at, according to Acts 20.27, all right? I say and teach things in a certain manner, uh, meaning I talk, think, believe uh, a certain way, the way I do, the way I talk, the way I think, the way I believe, based upon, because of my calling as an apostolic reformer and defender of the faith. You have to understand that. If you don't, 
then you'll basically, mm, this guy's got an issue. This guy's got problems. No, I don't have problems. You got problems. <laughs> and this is the solution to your problems, all right? I've taught and written quite a bit on Genesis 1, 26 to 28 regarding God having given man the dominion over all the earth. So I'm not too sure if I've taught it as I should have when it comes to how to have this dominion over all the earth. So that's what we're going to look at today, all right? So let's read once again Genesis 1, 26 to 28. God said, this is very key here, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them, see how they go from let us to let them have this complete authority, dominion over the fish, etc., etc. Uh, 27, so God created man in his own image and the image and likeness of God, he created him male and female. He created him, them, and God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, be multiply, fill the earth, uh, and subdue it. And they're saying that we're over overpopulated. Oh my goodness, they're going to be in trouble with God. All right? Using all of its vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion. All right? So I'm leaving a, a few uh, words out just to, for sake, uh, time's sake. So we need to keep this whole subject of this dominion, which is used twice, mentioned twice in verse 26 and 28, uh, from God given to mankind, uh, it's the word, uh, well, the Greek word would be anthropos, male and female, meaning us today, even today, um, in its proper and immediate context, meaning there has to be something else that God said and did regarding this dominion, all right, which got me thinking about creation. I never had seen that before until I was just go going over my notes that one night uh, before I actually did the teaching. Uh, for the brothers and sisters in Bujiri. Uh, regarding creation in Genesis 1, 3 to 4, those are the two big ones that have marked me for basically my life regarding my ministry, uh, which is basically found throughout the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, if you really unpack the whole thing, uh, especially with verses such as Mark 11, uh, Mark 11, 14, 20 to 24, uh, Romans 4, 17, 21, and Hebrews, the great faith chapter. Um, all of this in context with the law of faith, the law of the God kind of faith. Oh, that, that'll upset people right there. That'll, that'll get you called a heretic and everything else in between, especially with the key words, gnome, if I pronounce that right. And I don't think I am, but anyhow, that's okay for now, anyhow. And, uh, so first of all, regarding this law of faith, all right, uh, Romans 3.27, we all know this one. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. All right, so note, in the world today, we have all kinds of laws, all kinds of laws, such as the law of gravity, etc., given to man by God. Absolutely, God is the one who came up with the law of gravity, not man. But God has other kinds of laws given to those who are born of him regarding his kingdom. Mm. We should all know by we should all know what faith is according to Hebrews 11:1 1, at least. Yet in a nutshell, faith is what faith is believing what God believes. God expects His children to believe what He believes, since we are born of God, born of the Spirit, born again, born from above. 
God is our God, but also he's our father, he's our savior, he's our healer, deliverer, provider, protector. So we need to believe what he believes regarding these things. We just have to, because if we don't, he can't help us in those areas. And that's all there is to it. Unfortunately, that's just, well, unfortunately, then I'm, I seem to be putting the blame on God, but that's not the case. It's not, God's not the fault we are. So teaching on what faith is and what faith does is great. All right, but we also need to teach on how to operate out of this law of faith. So we're going to look at that a little bit today. Going back, I've taught on this many times, but we're going to teach on it again today a little bit. Genesis 1, 3 to 4. And God said, very key underlined here, let there be light and there was light. For God saw that the light was good and he proved it and God separated the light from the darkness. No, God spoke something and then he saw something, but in between he performed it. He saw what he spoke, what he spoke because he performed and brought into existence what he had first spoken, what he's first spoke, uh, said. I call this the great law of speaking and seeing. <laughs> the great law of sowing and reaping. It really is, it's all part of it, okay? So let's look at Mark 11. 14, 20 uh, to 24. In response, Jesus said mm, to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard. 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed or what you said to it has withered away. Hey, Jesus, you got what you said. Hmm. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith, have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask or say when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Wow, let's unpack that a little bit, all right? Remember the words God said and God saw in Genesis 1, 3 to 4? We just read that. And then we basically have the very same words with Jesus, as in Jesus saying, Jesus said to the fig tree, and his disciples saw. They saw. Mark 11, 14, and verse 20. And then Jesus went out on to tell his disciples, but also telling us today, that they and we can walk in this as well. Walk in what? Mark eleven twenty three. Most of the times that faith is mentioned in the Bible, it is referring to this law of faith, all right? Or the law of believing what God believes, however you wanna, however you wanna phrase it. Okay, so another note here, according to the King James, New King James, the majority text, we have the word say mentioned three times and the word does not doubt and believes mentioned one times in Mark eleven twenty three, of course. And this is one of the areas where we have missed it in teaching on these types of verses. This word say <clears throat> has to do with saying or speaking God's word, speaking God's promises, speaking what he told you to say and speak and not what you want to say. We are speaking beings unlike any other beings upon this planet, and we need to learn to put our mouths to work <laughs> for us and not against us. Wow, is your mouth working for you or against you? Mm. We need, I've said this before, regarding your mind, regarding your soul. Is your soul working for you or against you? It's all, it's all connected together. The mouth, the soul, the mind, the ears, the eyes. 
We need to learn to speak and say what God speaks and says so that we can believe and have what God believes and wants us to have. That's Mark 11, 23, 24. Of course, there's other references, but those are the big ones. And I kind of like to teach on this stuff just to kind of, mm, you know, irritate some people. But anyhow, irritate them in a good way. Jesus irritated people all the time, but it was, it, it was for their good. Wake them up. We need to get rid of the doubt, out with the doubt, as they, they say. The Word of God has nothing good to say about doubt. Even James 1, 6, read it. And all of this has to do with walking in victory instead of defeat. Every human being has a deep-seated longing to walk in victory. Come on, give me a break. Yet for the most part, all we see is defeat, even among our so-called successful people in society. You know what? I'll tell you. You can have all kinds of money. You can be known throughout the world because of media. You're traveling. You're big jets. You're this and that. There's nothing wrong with that. And you know what? You've got defeat in your life. You might hide it from everybody else. But eventually, it's going to pop up and it's going to show up on media. It's going to show up on social media. It's going to show up in the news, all right? And that is not God's doing at all. God, that's not God out to, to expose their dirty deeds or anything like that. That's just the way it works. You, you, you reap what you sow, all right? That's all there is to it, all right? Let's move on to Romans 4, 17, 21. Something very, very, I've taught this quite a few times. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist, who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith, being strong in faith instead, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Wow, not good, eh? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That's right. Being fully convinced that what God had promised was able also to perform it. Not only was he convinced of the promise, but that God was able to do it. Note, there is so much to unpack in this portion of scriptures as there was in what we just read out of Mark 11. Um, if we're going to walk uh, the walk of faith, we will need to learn to walk the walk of Abraham. In many ways, we just have to. Romans 4, it's written right there, Romans 4, 12 and 16, since it is the walk of faith according to the law of God, the God kind of faith. So the Abraham faith, the faith of Abraham, is the faith of Jesus. It's the faith of the centurion. It's the faith of Noah. It's the faith of Joshua. It's the, it's the God kind of faith. Abraham believed what God believed, all right? So we need to stop putting so much emphasis on Abraham and start putting the emphasis on God because when it comes to faith, and God, it's all the same thing. It's just believing what God believes. Joshua believed what God told him. Abraham believed what God told him. Uh, David, King David believed. They all did. The Old Testament saints, they believed. If they walked by faith, they believed what God told them. All right? New Testament, same thing thing. Same thing too. All right? But we're post-cross now. A little bit different, or quite a bit different, because we're new creations. We're, we're sons of God. We're children of God, unlike them. But faith is the same. So these words, gives life to the dead, verse 17, are basically synonymous with bringing light into darkness. It really is, Genesis 1, 3 to 4. It's the opposite, right? And the way that God accomplishes, or we get to accomplish that, is by speaking the opposite of what we presently have, as in calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist, verse 17b. 
And many have said or will say that this verse 17b is reserved by God for God alone, which is kind of true. But yet, if you're born of God, it is also reserved for you and me, as well as according to what Jesus taught his disciples or taught us back in Mark 11. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to walk, if, big if, uh, you will need to learn what it takes to please God, right? Hebrews 11, 6, and it says that faith pleases God. Without faith, you can't please him, all right? So yeah, God loves you and everything, and that's great, you know, but you know what? Is he pleased with you? Most likely, he's not, all right? Meaning you will need to learn to talk and believe like God, and that's to many, wow, that, to the, especially to the cessation, that's heresy. Well, we'll see on that great day, won't we? In verse 18, it says that Abraham was given a promise from God, but he had to become that promise, meaning he had to start coming in agreement with that promise by speaking that promise, 17b, verse 17b, instead of speaking or coming in agreement with his present circumstances, verse 19. And you will never continually habitually come in agreement with a promise from God until you stop considering what you presently have and see by beginning to consider the promise by considering the promise itself. You just, you got no choice. You got to reverse the way you think. You got to reverse the way you talk. You just have to. And it takes time. This is, I'll tell you, man, this, mm, all right. And this is easier said than done. There you go. But it is doable if you're stubborn and desperate enough for change, and that's where I was at. I was so desperate for change, and I'm still desperate for change, and I'm going to be desperate for change for the rest of my walk with God uh, on this earth, because that's that's what drives me, all right, to do what I do, especially when it comes to the fasting. Mm. Any promise from God will always contradict or go against or be the opposite of your present circumstances, and that's because God wants uh, is out to change your present circumstances. He wants to change those things. He don't like him either. You don't like him? Wow. Well, I'll tell you, if you really found out, you would find out real quick that God don't like him either. All right? By speaking the promise, you will automatically call those things which do not exist as though they did. They, they, they did exist, 17b. Abraham and Sarah had no other choice in the matter but to believe God's promise and no longer believe their present circumstance if they wanted to see that promise come to pass. They had no choice in the matter. Very clear in the word, and uh, and it doesn't change the same. It's the same thing for us today. I'm, you know. So note here, all of this faith stuff can also be found in Ephesians 6, oh yeah, regarding the full armor of God, specifically in verse 16 and 17, regarding the shield of faith, using your faith, using the law of faith, using the God kind of faith as a shield, all right, as well as speaking, um, as well as speaking the spirit-given word or rhemas from God, all of this putting God to work. It's the only thing that puts God to work, all right? That's why the enemy is trying to get you to come in agreement with your circumstances to stop God from working. Mm. Verse, seven, verse 21 is key to understanding what faith really is as in being fully persuaded, uh, fully convinced. And basically that, that lines up with Jesus said uh, and does not doubt at all, all right? There's no doubt at all, no traces of doubt. You got to get rid of the doubt, all right? Regarding not only the promise itself, but also being fully persuaded that God was able and had the power to what? To bring it to pass, to make it happen, to cause it to come into existence. Becoming fully convinced, persuaded 
that God is able to bring the promise into existence out of the non-existence, into the visible realm, out of the invisible realm, into the seen realm, out of the unseen realm. God uses faith to bring things into existence. Therefore, so must we. Some people say that God didn't use faith. Well, man, if he expects us to use faith, then God is a faith God. That's all there is to it. Maybe the wording is not as as accurate as I think it is, as it should be. But anyhow, let, let's see them unpack that once they get the revelation that they've been wrong all those years. What they've been teaching is wrong. Cessationists and, oh, this faith stuff doesn't work and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's heresy and all that. Yeah, well, we'll see. I had previously mentioned briefly mentioned the Greek word genomai, which carries the idea of to bring something into existence that did not exist previously or that did not previously exist back at the top of page two, which is found in the English word done, Mark eleven twenty three, as well as the word became in Romans four eighteen. Those are the word genome in the Greek. And to bring justice to this, we need to bring, to briefly look at John 1, 3, which carries the word genome three times. In that little verse, it's mentioned three times. It's used three times, which also brings us all the way back to Genesis 1, 3 to 4, because that's what John 1, 3 is all about. Regarding the creation account and where this law of faith was put in motion, display, on display, in operation to begin with. And let's look at John 1, 3 here. Uh, the Amplified especially. All things were made and came into existence through him the word and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being it's through the word it's always the word jesus was the word right god the word became flesh right yeah well god uses his word all the time we use words all the time i've taught on that before i won't get into that today all right this is the same dominion that God used to bring the whole universe into existence. And when God gave man his or this dominion, he did not exclude himself, but had in mind to keep himself directly involved in the picture based upon what we read in John 5, 17, 19, 20, and 30. We'll look at that uh, coming up. Yet he did give man the free will to do the right or the wrong thing with this dominion, and man chose to do his own thing, meaning he chose to use this God-given dominion to do things apart from God's direct involvement and influence. And look at what we got today. We got what we got today because of that. Teaching on this dominion or this and this law of faith has to be taught in context with sonship, sonship, as well as with the indwelling spirit, Ephesians 3, 16, 20, because of Genesis 1, 2. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the performer. He's the performer of the word. He's the performer of the promise. Of course, we know that angels also, they hearken to the voice of God's word. They're there. They're my allies, as well as the Holy Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, the creator of the universe lives on the inside of you in your recreated spirit, the Holy of Holies. Amen. We are. The, the recreated spirit, the new nature is the Holy Holies on this, on this earth. Anything that mankind does apart from God turns into massive failure, which is why we have the cross and the new birth. And this goes for Christians as well, unfortunately. You know, man was given the choice to include or exclude God, which we still have that choice till this very day, yet with consequences called the law of sowing and reaping. And this goes for the church as well. Most of what we see and have seen in the world 
turned out to be a disaster, a mess. Just read Genesis 6, before the flood. Not because of God, but man. Even Christians, by doing things in the flesh instead of the spirit, Christians have been given the choice to walk by faith or sight, to walk in the flesh or walk by the spirit, with great severe consequences, all right? It's part of the law of sowing and reaping. We have the choice, yet God has told us beforehand what to choose or not to choose, all right? If you want a good harvest, you will need to sow good seed. Farmers know this, yet so should we because of Mark 4 and Luke 8, etc. Every word or promise from God has been given to us as a seed in seed form. Start sowing to start reaping, all right? So we're always sowing, all right? First of all, I got to say that. We're always sowing. But what are you sowing? What are you sowing? And you know what? The harvest may not show up for another 10 years. It may not show up for another 20 years. And really, it may not show up until you die, all right? Because when you end up in hell, or you end up losing rewards in the judgment seat of Christ, then you're going to find out you've been sowing really bad seed. All right? So, we need to keep this dominion in context with the rest of the chapter, as well as the whole counsel of God. God never removed himself from all of this, yet man did remove God. Yeah, he did. God, God, gave the, God didn't remove himself. Man removed God according to his free moral agency, free will. Uh, just read Genesis 2.17. God had in mind to perform what man would say, yet man would have to say what God told man to say. All of this in context with Ephesians 2.10, which is a big one. Since God had Ephesians 2.10 in mind for the original creation and not just the new creation. In the same way that he also had John 5, 17, 19, 20, and 30 in mind for the original creation and not just the new creation. If you want God to perform what you say, what you believe, you better make sure you are saying and believing what God told you to say and believe according to his will and his will alone. Ephesians 1.11. All right. It's all connected together. Let's look at this John 5. I've, looked, I've taught on this so many times, but I'm going to keep reiterating this because it's the epitome. All right. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Got the word work in there. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father doing or working. For whatever he, the Father, does or works, the Son also does works in like manner. Based upon what I read in verse 17. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does or wants to work, and he will show him greater works, there it is, than these that you may marvel. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, Jesus said this, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And we're all going to be judged by this one day. It's coming soon, I'll tell you. Some, for some, it's sooner than, than, than others, but we're going to be judged by this. Note, this is exactly why Jesus was so immensely successful at accomplishing what he was sent to accomplish by the Father, and this belongs to us as well as sons of God, since Jesus was God's first to be born son. According to the new creation, Jesus was the most successful human being upon this planet, yet we can also be as well if we are willing to walk in his footsteps. All right? So healing, delivering, turning water into wine, feeding thousands, walking on water, it, all, it really belongs to us and so much more. 
this is where you get into the great division, the demarcation between children of God versus sons of God. Every parent in their right minds wants and expects their baby, their children to grow up, no longer needing to use, change their diapers, etc. We don't, we no longer do what we used to do when we were two or four years old, etc. Uh, you now brush your own teeth, you tie your own shoes, you put on your own clothes. Get the picture? A lot of things when I used to do, uh, I couldn't do when I was a baby. I do it now. Obviously, I'm 60 years old, but I just do it. You start doing it later on when you start growing up, right? And if you don't, there's something wrong with you, all right? Same thing with God. Same thing with the, uh, your walk with God. Let's look at this Ephesians 2.10. It's huge. Uh, For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taken past, which he prearranged ahead of time, etc. Note, uh, I got free from my own works when the Lord showed me this. We all need to get free in so many areas. All of this is to be found in John 5. We were originally created as well as recreated by God to work the works of God, and not our own works. God has to get his works done through us, uh, the body of Christ. And this is what he had in mind back in Genesis before the fall of man, starting off with Adam and Eve. And even right throughout the whole New Old Testament, anything God had to get done, he had to get it done through a man or a woman. It doesn't change. Now, there's some things that God did on his own. Okay, he did, you know. And there are some things that God has done you know, but he still needs somebody's faith, all right? Because faith puts God to work, right? But not necessarily through you, all right? So Adam was God's first workmanship, just was, and so was the second Adam, as well as anyone born with that new nature, including the whole universe. The new creation is God's workmanship, created in Christ, and has good works planned beforehand, as he did with the original creation, not just for Adam, but all of mankind, which is why he never had in mind to exclude himself for this dominion that he originally gave to man, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. All of this is part of sonship. Let's look at Luke 3, 38, all right? So it says right here, uh, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam was God's first son. This is where sonship originates from, began. Adam was God's first created son, and Jesus as the second Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, was God's firstborn son from the dead. For uh, Colossians 1:15 and 18, having been sent, John 1:14, the incarnation, the whole thing, to start a new creation, a new man, Ephesians 2:15. This teaching ended up on faith. Uh, at the end of the teaching, that's what I said. I said, this teaching ended up on faith and sonship, which includes discipleship regarding growing up and maturing in the things of God. So, during our Q&A time, I was asked a great question, how do I increase my faith? So, we briefly looked at Mark 4, 26-32. I'm going to read through it. Uh, and he said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed, underlined seed upon the ground, and then continues sleeping and rising night and day while the seed sprouts and grows and increases. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. 
in the year. But when the grain is ripe and permits uh, immediately, he sends forth the reapers and puts in the sickle because the harvest stands ready. And he said, Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what par parable parade shall we use to illustrate and explain it? It is like a grain of mustard seed. How many times have we read seed so far in this? Which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all seeds upon the earth. Yet, after it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all garden herbs and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air are able to make nests and dwell in its shade. You have to read this in context with Luke 8.11. Mm. Now the meaning of the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So every time you read the word seed and Mark 4, you, got, you can insert the word word, all right, or promise. The parables of the sower talks about the soil, which is the human heart or the soul of man, in which the word as a seed needs to be sown or planted, germinate, growing roots, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. All of this in context with what I previously said about the indwelling spirit in context with the indwelling word. I never said it that way before, but that's exactly it. The word has to become, it has to be sown inside of us. So I call it the, indwell, the indwelling word so that the indwelling spirit, who already resides on the inside of you, can actually work with that word, with that, the faith, the, image, the images from that word, from that seed. Everything I do, everything, and I do mean everything, revolves around this concept of what is typically called seed time, harvest time, yet it has to be taught right. And a lot of guys from the Word of Faith, they don't teach it right. They teach it about sowing money, sowing planes, sowing houses, uh, to reap houses, to reap planes, to reap money. No, it's wrong. This affects your faith growing, your mind being renewed, your, you growing up in the things of God, walking in your sonship, walking in your full healing, your health as well and well-being, your deliverance, and so much more walking in the full salvation package. That's what it's all about. It's all by faith, all right? So I wrote here, all of this, everything I basically taught, uh, in this teaching today, anyhow, all of this is key in walking in such verses as, let's look at briefly, let's look at three key verses here. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, spirit, power, all right, keep that in mind, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let's look at Ephesians uh, 3.16 and then verse 20 in the same chapter. Uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might or power through his spirit in the inner man. Uh, 320, now to him who is able to do or work exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think according to the power. Power, whose power? The Holy Spirit's power. Same power that Jesus walked in uh, that works in us. So I wrote here, this is my final note. Uh, we already have the very same power, same power that Jesus walked in because we already have the very same spirit that Jesus worked with, all right? Thank you for your time. And as I finish all my videos, I encourage you to learn to what it takes to walk in the fullness of the grace of God and in the faith of God because it's faith that gives access to the grace of God. And this is key to walking in the fullness of your sonship. Shalom and 
Amen.